With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, on YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We are presented by The Grid, and do we have a packed show for you guys tonight? Five outstanding, well, four out of five outstanding wildcard games. Niners Seahawks was pretty, uh, pretty entertaining. As you can tell, before I even get any of that, uh, you can tell, I'm sure, that there is a bit of a, a conflict of interest tonight between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at least on this show. For the podcast audience, for those listening, I have a Dak Prescott hat on and a Tom Brady jersey on. So uh, trying to keep it 50-50, trying to keep this as unbiased as I can on this show, but I do have to pick a winner. Cowboys Bucks to close out Wild Card Weekend. It will probably be the highest rated Monday night football game of all time. Uh, I mean, it is only the second, to my knowledge, only the second Monday night playoff game of all time. Looking forward to getting to that later in the show. Uh, I will get into, <clears throat> excuse me, the Jaguars' remarkable comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers and why this is once again another indictment on Brandon Staley, but as well as not just the game itself, but who the Chargers were facing and the construct of that organization should be a big blinking light for the Chargers to move on from Brandon Staley. I'll get on, uh, get to that in just a second, or in my second segment of the show. Uh, also, the Bills' three-point win over the nine-win, third-string quarterback-led Miami Dolphins. So uh, I'll, I'll get to that. Josh Allen is really struggling right now uh, this season, toward the end of the back half of the season. Uh, and there's a very concerning stat that I'm going to bring up later on when we discuss that. Uh, Niners beating Seattle soundly. I thought it was going to be closer. I thought weather would be a little bit of a factor. It was not. Sturdy Brock Purdy was the man once again. I'll discuss why he is officially the franchise quarterback of the Niners. Uh, what else we got? And then the Bengals close win over the division rival Ravens. For the record, I did predict the score exactly Correctly, 24-17 uh, Bengals. Check the tape. And of course, at the end of today's show, I'll predict tonight's wild card matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But let's start in Minneapolis. The New York Giants, the Minnesota Vikings, who was a very, very uh, entertaining game. Really, all the games were outside the first one. Um, really, really all, all, all the games except for the first one came down the wire. 
But, but in Minnesota, the New York Giants beat the Vikings by a final score of 31-24 to and sent the Vikings home packing. Uh, along with their division rival, Green Bay Packers. So, hey, Packers fans, I made fun of you last week, but if it makes you feel any better, you uh, you have the exact same amount of playoff wins as your division rival. So there you go. But what I thought about as that game was progressing, and certainly everybody's talking about that last play, fourth down and eight, Kirk Cousins throws five yards short of the sticks, doesn't even give his, his team a chance to convert the first down. Um, and certainly that narrative about Kirk Cousins not being able to win the big game is only going to persist, if not grow, after this game against the Giants. But when I was watching it, what it was was a perfect representation about where these two franchises are going to be going in the immediate future. For the New York Giants, listen, I knew Brian Dable was going to be a good hiring from day one. I said it on this show. I said it's a great hiring by the Giants. You look at what he did for Josh Allen back in Buffalo. I did not see him developing a culture this quick. But if you think about it, all the great coaches in the league, it's usually a, a pretty fast uh you know, change in terms of culture. You think about Doug Peterson and Jacksonville. They had won four games. And I'll get to Jacksonville later, but they'd won four games in the last two years combined. This year, they win nine and win a playoff game after being down 27 to nothing. You look all across the NFL at the great coaches. It was quick. Andy Reid in Kansas City. Uh, Mike Tama didn't have to change a culture in Pittsburgh, but inherited a great one and ended up getting a Super Bowl uh, and, and then another Super Bowl appearance out of it. It's pretty quick. But the job that Brian Dable has done with Daniel Jones, we all thought Daniel Jones to be not only a kind of a turnover machine, but dare I say a bust. His first three years in the league, pretty underwhelming. A lot of fumbles. Remember, he had a bad case of fumbleitis, threw some bad interceptions, was athletic. I always said Daniel Jones is underrated in his athleticism, but accuracy wasn't great. Um, you know, it didn't really command the presence of a locker room the way you would necessarily want a franchise quarterback to do so. This year, ladies and gentlemen, it is night and day. And I, listen, when I did my playoff weaknesses last week, last Thursday show, I, I did it last season. My my biggest, the biggest weakness for every team heading into the playoffs, the biggest reason that they will lose a playoff game. Obviously, that won't be the case for one of them because somebody's got to win the Super Bowl. But for the Giants, my weakness was they're limited at wide receiver, which I still think they are. And they limited a quarterback. Well, yesterday, albeit it was against the one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. But Daniel Jones, ladies and gentlemen, 24 for 30 uh, for 35, 301 yards, not to mention 78 rushing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a passer rating of 114, and a QBR 0 to 100 of 81. Daniel Jones balled out. All the big throws that needed to be made, all the big runs, first downs on third down. Big third down conversions for the Giants. Saquon Barkley was good yesterday. Uh, not sure why they only gave him the ball nine times, uh, but when he got the ball, he made it happen. Right? He had that touchdown late that gave the Giants the lead. He had two in total. Like when you look at how coaches can change the identity of a franchise so quickly, Brian Dable is literally the poster child for that. And now the Giants will head to Philadelphia where obviously they'll be overmatched. Philadelphia is the number one seed in the NFC for a reason. Uh, but I looked at the line for that game. I think it's, is it seven now? Okay, it's Philadelphia minus seven and a half. That feels about right. This feels like the, due to the ability uh, of the New York Giants to run the football, to improbably get big plays in the passing game, which they did a couple times yesterday. Would an upset shock me the way Philadelphia struggled over the last month? 
I mean, you think about the teams in the NFL that's had you know undefeated streaks. The last undefeated team left over the last couple of years, Pittsburgh, Arizona, and they flamed out in the first round. I'm not saying it's going to be Philadelphia. Unlike those two teams, Philadelphia got a bye, but it's something to keep your eye on. As for the Minnesota Vikings, and this is a team that I thought I predicted their season perfectly before the year. I said they'd be a division winner easily. Check, they were. I said they'd be better in one-score games. Not only were they better, they were the best in football at 11-0. Check. Kirk Cousins would have one of the best years of his career. Check. And that they would win a playoff game. Missed that one, folks. So I have... I have typically been a Kirk Cousins skeptic, as most of you all out there are watching or listening. But this year, I'm like, okay, he gets an offensive coach, a guy in Kevin O'Connell who, you know, did help the Rams win the Super Bowl last year as the offensive coordinator. Okay, you got plenty of weapons, Justin Jefferson, chief among them, and a weak division, or at least what looked like a weak division initially, and strengthened as the season went on. Packers got in a winning streak, and so did Detroit. Chicago's still a mess. But I'm thinking, okay, you're facing a Giants team that's beat up, that is, we assumed, not as good at quarterback as you are, and is inexperienced. And you're at home. And you beat this team three weeks ago. And Kirk Cousins, though I thought he played very well for the first three and a half quarters, when they absolutely needed him, folks, he came apart. Late in the fourth quarter, you had the false start in the fourth and one. Not everybody getting set. But then <laughs> fourth down and eight. I'll, I'll Listen, I'll defend Joshua Dobbs. You guys know I love my man Space Dobbs out of Tennessee. I'll defend Josh Dobbs when he hits the check down on fourth and 13 with the Titans season on the line last week. It's his second start in the NFL. I'm not, I'm not going to be brutal on the guy. <clears throat> I know he's been around the NFL. This is Josh Dobbs' sixth year. I'm not going to be brutal on it. Kirk Cousins, dog, you've been around the NFL for 11 years. You've started each of the past 11 seasons. You got to be better than this man. Fourth down and eight. Your season's on the line. You won 13 games. You won the NFC North. You're at home. You hit TJ Hawkinson, who's in tight man-to-man coverage for a three-yard gain. Don't even give your team a shot. And Kirk Cousins tried to explain it after the game. He said that he felt the pressure coming and felt like he had to get rid of it or he was going to get sacked. Then just throw the ball up in the air in the direction of Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, who made some plays yesterday. Give your playmakers a shot, preferably beyond the sticks, for a first down. But in tight man-to-man coverage on fourth and eight, I don't get it. I don't understand what he's doing. I really don't. And not to mention, uh, you know, look, Kirk's, Kirk's numbers look good. They tend to look good. But when you absolutely need him to be great, it comes apart. Now, should the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins? No. No. There's not. To me, Kirk is around that 11, 12 ranked quarterbacks in the NFL. He's outside of the top 10, but he's still good. He's, I mean, half the teams in the NFL would take Kirk Cousins as their starting quarterback today, without a doubt. But the reason I've always hesitated on him being a franchise quarterback because the way I define franchise quarterback is can I envision this guy winning a Super Bowl with this team? I don't envision that with Kirk Cousins. And so this feels like what Minnesota is going to be. Next year, I have a hard time seeing them win 13 games. They're going to have a first-place schedule. Detroit's going to be better. We'll see what happens with Green Bay. They feel like a playoff team to me. Sure, they could get back to the playoffs. They're talented enough. 
and I assume they'll upgrade defensively in the draft and in the free agency, which they tried to do this past offseason. But yesterday felt like what we're going to see over the next two years or so from these two organizations. The Giants are only going to get better. They're going to draft a wide receiver in the draft. They're going to upgrade the offensive line, preferably uh, uh, the interior. And they're going to build some depth. They got all the salary cap space in the world. And Brian Dable, once again, like I said, is undeniably the coach of the year. But for Minnesota, this feels like what they are. A playoff team very well could win the division next year, although it will be tougher with the first-place schedule. But you don't trust in the biggest of moments. I have never in my life heard of a 13-win team have a negative point differential. And the real irony of yesterday is when I also, I was wrong about both of these two teams' playoff weaknesses. For Giants, I, I was like, okay, they're limited at quarterback. Can't be that limited. Daniel Jones looked pretty good. And I was wrong about Minnesota. I said they have to win close. Well, the real kick in the behind for Minnesota, they were 11-0 in one-score games. Until yesterday, they lost. So it's now 11-1, and that one certainly stings more than any of the four blowouts in the regular season. We've got some comments here. Let us see. Uh, Patrick Brown, and Patrick Brown's riding the money. Without, I was thinking about you, Patrick, when that game ended. He said, I picked the Giants to upset Minnesota on Friday. I was proven correct about Kirk Cousins' well-deserved win by New York. I remember you commenting uh, picking New York, and that's part of the reason, too, folks, that I picked the, the Vikings, A, because I said before the year I felt like they'd win a playoff game, but B, it felt like everybody was going with the Giants despite the Vikings being three-point favorites. Now, three-point favorites is essentially pick them, basically, but still... They were the favored team. They were, uh, you know, Minnesota, or I'm sorry, the Giants were the underdog. But hey, and another good point by Patrick Brown, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he said Giants defense took away Justin Jefferson, was the blueprint to winning, controlling the line of scrimmage, and running the football paid dividends. It was, you know, it looked a lot like a team that I'll talk about later, the Buffalo Bills, where the running game was initiated by the quarterback. Now, I don't... I don't love running your quarterback 17 times, even if he's Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts. Or, I don't love it, Josh Allen. But you play to the quarterback's strengths, and that's what the Giants have done, and that is what Brian Dable does. I'm about to get into Brandon Staley in the second segment. Ma'am, you can. it's hard to tell an average coach. It's, it's hard, those kind of in-between guys. Think of a, a Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett's not a bad coach, right? Like, Freddie Kitchens is a bad coach. Um, Andy Reid is a great coach. You can tell great and bad pretty easily. But Jason Garrett, uh, think about other guys. I don't know. So nobody's coming to my top, top of my head. Uh, Chip Kelly, like, oh, gosh, you can't figure out. Are they good? Are they? Can we win a Super Bowl with them? You're not sure. Brian Dable, you can tell immediately. You get he know the Giants know what they are. Brian Dable plays to the strengths of his players. You can tell great coaching pretty fast. Let's see. Grady Edwards, my man Grady, what's up? He says, I'm still not a believer in Danny Dimes, but I think he's earned the right to come back as the starting quarterback one more year for the Giants. As a matter of fact, I would like to see him one more year in the system. I would agree. And again, I have always been a Daniel Jones skeptic myself. Uh, but my my point is. Is Daniel Jones a franchise quarterback? Probably not. I mean, if we're, if we're being totally objective here, you know who else had their best game of the season against the Minnesota Vikings? Mike White. Mike White's a backup. You know who else had their best game of the season against the Minnesota Vikings? Mac Jones. 
you know, you guys know what I think about Mac Jones. So, but I think like you mentioned, Grady, in the system with that coach, not to mention they're going to upgrade the weapons around him. Like, I'll tell you, the two free agent quarterbacks, they're going to be, actually, I don't know, if is Daniel, I don't think Daniel Jones is a free agent. Did they exercise his fifth-year option? I'm not sure if they did or not. But regardless, the two contract negotiations among quarterbacks, aside from Lamar Jackson, that are going to be the most interesting, Daniel Jones and Geno Smith. Both of which I think should come back. I think earn the right to come back. But we'll see. Certainly winning a playoff game. You have told a Giants fan they're going to, they're going to win a road playoff game. Take it any day of the week. And not to mention, Daniel Jones is the reason offensively you won the game. Hats off. And Grady says, Kirk Cousins is not that much different from a guy like Romo or Derek Carr. I like all those guys very much, but they were or all missing something. Uh, yeah, I, I'm more of a Romo and Carr guy than I'm a Cousins guy. I think both Romo and Carr had to overcome more than Cousins has been asked to. But, you know, sort of... My thing about Kirk Cousins, and I, and I said this last week, how's Washington been since he left? Okay, they made the playoffs with him. They had a winning record within the following year. They let go of him after 2017, and they're still trying to find a quarterback. I'm re I read the other day they're trying to build around Sam Howell. Okay, maybe he's the answer, but good luck. I mean, you have the guy in the building, and you, and you let him go. Patrick says, Daniel Jones is a free agent after the season, okay? He says they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And listen, a year ago, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but a year ago, you can kind of understand why they didn't. But, hey, he's going to get paid this offseason, no question about it. And Grady says, if I had guarantee he wouldn't get hurt, it would be fun to see Tom Brady <laughs> run the ball 20 times one game. I do not want to see that. That That is, it'd be bad for our eyes. It'd be bad for the NFL. That is, nah, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. He, he, he Listen, he's got wheels. He, he had. I remember he had a play back in week three against Green Bay this year where he took off for like a 30-yard run, but he got called back because of a holding penalty. But it's like, hey, you know, old man Tom's moving. Hey, he, you know, he's got legs. He, he's. I think he's got over 1,000 rushing yards for his career. Took him two decades to get there, but hey, that's off to Tom Brady. But a very entertaining game nonetheless, without a question, Minnesota. It's the only game I've gotten incorrect this wild card weekend. Okay. My, my, my family and I are doing a, a tournament. And of course, why am I not surprised? My mother's in first with a 5-0 and record. Shout out, Mom. I know you're watching or listening. Love you. Uh, and I'm in second, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase her down. I'm going to chase her down. We're, we're, we're not going to disclose what the winner gets, but I'm just... I'm just... Bragging rights are going to go to go to me. No question about it. Moving on, though, to... <laughs> probably the game that got social media a buzz more than any of them. And that was the Chargers and the Jaguars. Jaguars overcome a 27-point deficit, which is the third biggest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs. First place is a, I think it was a 32-point comeback by Frank Reich, who was the backup quarterback for the Bills against the Houston Oilers. Down 30, 31, 32 points, something like that. Came back and won the game. Uh, the second biggest comeback happened about a decade ago. Andrew Luck and the Colts came back from 28 down against the Kansas City Chiefs, won that wild card game. And then Saturday night, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, and the Jacksonville Jaguars came back from 27-0 down to beat the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. I want to start with Jacksonville before I get to L.A. For Jacksonville, it's kind of the same situation I talked about with the Giants, although certainly there's more and rightfully so, more optimism around the Jaguars' starting quarterback than there's the Giants. It's not, no shade towards Daniel Jones. I gave him his shine, but Trevor Lawrence is that dude. I'll tell you what, if you're a Jaguars fan, or if you're just a fan of Trevor Lawrence, 
what gives you a lot of hope for the future, what gives you even more confidence than you already have in Trevor Lawrence going forward with him as your franchise quarterback is that he had literally the worst first half of any quarterback in the NFL this year. By far, four picks. Now, some of them weren't his fault. That second one he tried to throw to Zay Jones, there should have been a pass interference. But nonetheless, you know, four interceptions is four interceptions. He had a tip ball in the first one. He telegraphed one of It was bad. To rebound from that, to keep your composure for the team, you heard all the Jaguars players after the game talking about, we believed in Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence talking about, we believed in the locker room. To still maintain that confidence and follow up four picks with four touchdowns, hats off to him. And, you know, something else, I, yeah, there, there's some, there was hirings last year I was wrong about. Nathaniel Hackett being chief among them. But the two, the, I, I, I liked the Dable hiring. I loved the Doug Peterson hiring up from the Jags a year ago. Because you talk about a guy who, as I've said over and over in the show, is almost a little bit of a quarterback whisper. Carson Wentz had his best year with Doug Peterson. Nick Foles not only won the Super Bowl, outplayed Tom Brady in the Super Bowl in what might have been Brady's best Super Bowl. Nick Foles outplayed him and won the game. That's coaching. That's Doug Peterson. And when you look at some of the free agent pickups, Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, taking, uh, obviously got the pass rusher Josh Allen, not the quarterback Josh Allen, but the pass rusher Josh Allen out of Kentucky, taking Trayvon Walker, number one overall, out of Georgia, the impact he's making. That Jenkins kid they got in the secondary is a ball hawk. He is a playmaker, led the team in interceptions this year. The Jags, again, go back to coaching. They know what they are. And I said, you know, I said coming in this year, and maybe it wasn't that much of a stretch, but I said the Jaguars were a lock this year to double their wins. I said they win six games, and the majority of their 11 losses would be close. They'd be down to one score. But again, what, what separates teams and what shows that the Jags are going places, they're, they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'd be quite shocked if they did. But fr frankly, they're probably not going to win at Arrowhead next weekend, although, hey, it is Trevor Lawrence. He's never lost on Saturday. In high school, college, or in the NFL, he's never lost on Saturday. So we'll see what happens in Kansas City. But in the here and now, what gives you the optimism moving forward for Jacksonville is that they were down 27-0, by the way, to a very talented football team in the Los Angeles Chargers. Did not lose belief. Didn't hang their heads. I mean, four picks. How many quarterbacks in the NFL throw four picks and come back and rebound with four straight touchdown passes? That's incredible. Not to mention the game-winning drive ending in the walk-off field goal. So hats off to the Jaguars. They deserve all the credit in the world for the win. I'll, again, I'll about to get to the Chargers. But for Jacksonville, they, they are ahead of schedule. Again, coming into the 2022 season, the Jaguars had a record from 2020 and 2021 of 4-29. and 29. As you can imagine, worse than the NFL in that span. And for that, they got not one, but two straight number one overall picks, in which they took, of course, Trevor Lawrence and Trayvon Walker. But it goes to show you when you got the coach and when you have a superstar quarterback, which I think it's fair to say at this point, when you look at how Trevor has played since week nine to now, he is a superstar quarterback. He's unquestionably top 10 and he's pushing to be in the top five. Like, I listen, if we're having an honest discussion, are there five quarterbacks you can absolutely don't even think twice can say, yeah, they are absolutely better than Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. 
Obviously, he's one of the great quarterback talents we've ever seen coming out of Clemson. Probably the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. And before that, Peyton Manning. And before that, John Elway. He's kind of in that top four upper echelon, Mount Rushmore of all-time quarterback talents to come out of a single draft. But <laughs> he's living up to that this year. When you get him the proper coaching, Doug Peterson, and he's surrounded with the talent they did during this past offseason, has paid dividends. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are in the divisional round. They'll face the Kansas City Chiefs. They are big underdogs in that game, as you would imagine. They are eight-and-a-half-point dogs <clears throat> in Kansas City, which you know is, isn't all that surprising. The Kansas, Kansas City is the better team. But I, I think we could be in for, for an interesting matchup uh, at Arrowhead Stadium. Now... As for the Los Angeles Chargers, and as for Brandon Staley. So, we come into this game Saturday night knowing Brandon Staley is on the hot seat. Not just for how last season ended, in that Vegas, LA, they're tied with under a minute to go in overtime. Had that game ended in a tie, and again, it was tied with less than a minute left. Raiders had the ball and were actively trying to run out the clock. Had the game ended in a tie, both teams would have made the playoffs. Both. But Brandon Staley said, no. Nah, we're going to play for the win even though we don't have the football. And the Raiders like, okay, let's play for the win. Josh Jacobs you know, breaks off a big run. And Daniel Carlson hits the walk-off field goal to send the Raiders in the playoffs, which they would have been in anyway with a tie, and the Chargers home. So a coaching decision into the Chargers season a year ago. And then last week, despite doing what most coaches in the NFL do these days, not playing any of your starters in meaningless preseason games. Okay, Preseason means absolutely nothing. Obviously, does not count towards your record. You don't play them in those meaningless games, but in Week 18... When obviously guys are beat up at this part of the year in a game that will not dictate your playoff seeding, you're locked in as the five seed, you play your starters and you lose Mike Williams, who even had the Chargers won this game, he probably wouldn't have been available unless the Chargers had made some kind of crazy run and got to the Super Bowl. So you lost Mike Williams for effectively the season. You played Trevor Lawrence, by the way, earlier this year when you played the Jaguars late in the fourth quarter despite the fact that he had severely, severely injured ribs. Played him late in the fourth quarter despite the fact that you were down 38-10 to 10 with like five minutes left. Game's over. And then yesterday. So you're up 27-0. You give up multiple consecutive scoring drives. But can I tell you what is most concerning of all if you are Brandon Staley? The Los Angeles Chargers had a seven-play drive, another seven-play drive, which ended in a field goal, in which, by the way, I'm a big uh, Justin Herbert fan, but he missed Keenan Allen open in the end zone. That's on, that's on Herbert. But nevertheless, that drive ended in a field goal. Then they had a missed field goal on the drive after on a 14-play drive, and then they went three and out on their last offensive possession of the game. Take a guess, ladies and gentlemen, as to how many times the Los Angeles Chargers Ran the ball. Just take, take a guess. Eight times. Los Angeles Chargers ran the ball eight times against the Jacksonville Jaguars despite holding a four-score lead. 
despite having Austin Eckler, who leads the NFL in touchdowns over the last two years. He's more of like a Christian McCaffrey hybrid two-way back. 38 touchdowns over the last two years. You really don't give him the ball at all. At that point when you're up, because the Jaguars, by the way, scored before halftime to make it 27-7. to But you're still, you're up 20. You've got to be feeling really good about yourself going into the half. You've got four takeaways. by actually five takeaways if you count the muff punt. Your quarterback's playing well. Your offense is playing with confidence. You run the ball eight times. At that point, you're playing the clock. You're not playing the Jaguars. You're not playing Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and all those offensive playmakers. You are playing the clock. I'm not saying play too conservative because then, you know, you, you get Trevor Lawrence out of a rhythm. But they became too Trevor Lawrence reliant despite the fact that they didn't have to. Here's something else. Again, we talk about coaching. What is in the game, football game is 60 minutes. What is the thing that we always point to if we criticize coaches about what they do in the game, in the confines of a 60-minute contest? We think about clock management. We think about, you know, going forward on fourth down or kicking field goals, all that. But to me, to me, the most important thing by far that a coach does or does not do in a game Halftime adjustments. And no team, or few teams rather, certainly no good teams, which the Chargers obviously are. They have a tremendous talent at quarterback and a loaded roster, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, which Brandon Staley is a defensive coach. But there's no good team in the NFL that is worse at making halftime adjustments than the Los Angeles Chargers led by Brandon Staley. This season, in the second half, they were bottom 10, bottom 10 in points given up in the second half. I'm sorry, bottom five in points given up in the second half. Los Angeles Chargers were bottom five in points given up in the second half. They were bottom 10 in scoring in the second half. Okay, if you want, if you want the numbers on it, they gave up, I'm sorry, they scored eight points a game. They averaged eight points in the second half per game, and they averaged giving up 12 points a game in the second half. That's coaching. That's halftime adjustments. That's where the guys like Reed, Tomlin, yes, I'll say it, Belichick, that's where they separate from everybody else. McVay, Shanahan, that's where they're different from everybody else. Even if things are going well, you say, okay, they're going to make adjustments. They're going to see what we're doing well. How do we respond? How do we adjust to what they're doing? Chargers are the worst team in the NFL among good teams in that regard. That points to Brandon Staley. Not to mention he seems to be a coach that's easily provoked by the media or convinced by the media that he's making the wrong decision. As a coach, you've got to stand firm into what you're doing. Yes, talk to assistants. Get counseling from other coaches around the NFL. Nothing wrong with that. But being essentially bullied by the media into changing the way you operate. I say that because last season, what did we know Brandon Staley as? The guy who always went for it on fourth down. Like he coached the game as if we were, you and I were just playing a game of Madden. He always, at his own 25-yard line, he'd go for it on fourth and two. That was, that was what he did. This year, he rarely went for it. Even in situations where, like, coach, this is a four down territories type of situation. 
So clearly he's influenced by the media. He doesn't make halftime adjustments. As a defensive coach, his defenses collapse in the second half. All the red flags are there. Not to mention, is it safe to say that Sean Payton wouldn't be pretty interested in that job? With Trevor Lawrence, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, the depth that they've got. Not to mention you've got their uh, left tackle, Rashawn Slater, coming back next year from injury, who was outstanding last year in his rookie campaign. This is Sean Payton written all over it. And this game, and many games of the last two years for the LA Chargers, point back to Brandon Staley. Brian Dable, look what he got out of Daniel Jones. Again, not to hate on Daniel Jones. He is not Justin Herbert. Has Justin Herbert, for as much as I like him, I mean, look at all the records he's broken in the first three years in the league. Has Justin Herbert from year one to now taken that big jump that we expect quarterbacks to take? Not really. He's still great. He's still a top 10 quarterback in the, in the world. But he hasn't taken that, oh my God, he's amazing jump. Again, coaching. I, I, I don't know how you can possibly not move on from Brandon State after that game. I, I, I can't. I, I can't. Patrick Brown says, LA Chargers were up 27 to nothing. I went to sleep and woke up later to see Jacksonville won 31 to 30. One word to describe this in all caps, humiliating. That is, that is an appropriate way to put it, Patrick. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, hit the hay after uh, after Trevor Lawrence did that touchdown pass, or was it a touchdown pass run by Austin Eckler or something to, to, to put the Chargers up 27 zip. Grady Edwards says, Trevor Lawrence will be better than Andrew Luck, but not quite as good as Peyton Manning. I just think he's a lot closer to Luck because Peyton uh, Manning's don't grow on trees and that's hard to become. Well, yeah, I mean, in my view, Grady, Peyton's the third best quarterback ever behind Brady and Montana. That's five MVPs, couple Super Bowls. They, in part, kind of changed the way the position is played in terms of his his uh, command at the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying Trevor's going to be Peyton Manning. I'm saying Trevor is is in that class with Peyton Manning among great, like, can't-miss generational talents that come out of uh, a specific draft. Uh, Grady says, also, I think Doug Peterson is a much better coach than Chuck, Chuck Pagano was. By the time Luck got any real coaching or help, his health was shot. Completely agree. And it's nothing towards Chuck Pagano. I think he's an okay coach. But, no, Doug Peterson is, is a agreed. He's a far better coach. Patrick says, I feel for Justin Herbert. Young man is supremely talented, but a coach who doesn't get it. Give him a real coach. His numbers will be even better. It's time to move on from Staley and get Sean Payton. Yeah, it, it's it's funny seeing uh, Sean Payton. He's on a, he works for Fox Sports. So he's on, he's on a, like Colin Cowherd's show, or he'll go on like the Fox pregame shows every Sunday, and, you know, talk about the games and whatnot. And he's, he's a very bright guy. He's, a, he's, you could argue. I'd put him just a hair outside the top five, but you could certainly make a very compelling pay, case that he's a top five coach in the NFL when he's, you know, when he's coaching. And it's weird to hear him talking about the Chargers and what they need to do. It's like, eh, I mean, you could do it. That is if the Spanos family moves on from Brandon Staley. Wish Brandon Staley nothing but the best. I hope he gets a second chance in the future. But this does not work at all. At all. The inability to adjust has killed the Chargers the last two seasons, both offensively 
and defensively. Heck, even, even the one thing that the Chargers finally got right, kicker. Even Dicker the kicker missed late in the fourth quarter. And that when he missed that kick, I'm like, oh man, they're 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 in trouble now. They they are in, they are screwed. Not to mention you had the Joey Bosa penalty, which meant the Jaguars decided to go for two from the one yard line after they scored that touchdown and cut it to a four point gain. They said, hey, we'll go for two since it's at the one. Trevor Lawrence with that big long frame takes a snap, reaches it over the goal line, gets the two point conversion, and it ends up that last drive. All they needed was a field goal to win it, as opposed to a touchdown to win it. In that case, a field goal would have tied it. So it's those, it's those little details that coaching makes all the difference in the world. Uh, now let's move on. To me, those are the two best games of the weekend. Let's move on to two games between two teams that we, I think it, it's fair to say we see as contenders. And let, let's start in Buffalo with the Bills. So they they beat the Miami Dolphins yesterday. Well, let's see. We I think we got a comment here. Uh, agree with you here, Grady. Anthony Lynn was a much better coach than Staley. I still have no clue why he was fired. Your, your, your guess is as good as mine, Grady. I mean, how many in-game how many in-game adjustment gaffes, if you will, did, did Anthony Lynn have? I mean, Anthony Lynn took over a, a Chargers team that was not very good. Year one, winning record. Year two, playoffs. Had a down year three. Year four, rookie quarterback. Ter- I mean, terrible offensive line. Rebuilding defense. Derwin James got hurt. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't get why he's fired. I mean, would it be the worst decision in the world? If Sean Payton doesn't work out, would it be the worst decision in the world to bring Anthony Lynn back? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, so, to Buffalo for the Bills. So they beat the Dolphins yesterday by final score of 34-31. to 31. And certainly, I had this as my if-I-were-betting-man game, and it just reinforced the, the mistake that I made. Uh, anytime I do that segment... Note to self, don't ever take a double-digit favorite as my if I were a bet man game. Like, just don't, don't, don't do it. But it had the writing on the wall. 13.5-point favorites were the Buffalo Bills playing. Obviously, they're already a great team, but playing even more spirited after the DeMar Hamlin situation, now knowing that their brother is okay. He's now, you know, been discharged from the Buffalo Hospital. He's at home watching his, his team, playing with that motivation at home in front of an amazing fan base. And they got Miami, who is literally, literally limping into the playoffs with a third-string quarterback, having lost five of their last six games. And that game was in doubt with two minutes left. And and not to you know, not to diss Skylar Thompson. He this kid did all he could. Kid did all he could. He he got you know, didn't get a whole lot of help in the first quarter. Had a lot of drops from Jalen Waddle from. Uh, Who's, who's the running back? Uh, was it Jeff Wilson? One of the running backs dropped a big pass in the flat. Didn't get a whole lot of help in the first quarter. Uh, but this is... This is where quarterbacking is really important. So this is not to say Josh Allen is a great quarterback, because obviously he is. He, he's top 3-4 in the NFL. But you, as a, as a quarterback, you've got to have the awareness to understand who you're playing. Buffalo gets out to a 17 to nothing lead in the first half. Miami has no momentum. None. Uh, why would they? Third string quarterback on the road against a far superior team who's up 17 to nothing. Where do the Bills get in trouble? Josh Allen trying to make the almost a little Andrew Luck-ish, trying to make the greatest play of all time. Every play. Josh Allen, fun fact. 
He threw more deep passes in this game, in this game, than any quarterback has in any game this season. And my question is, why? You, you don't need to take risks against the Miami Dolphins. You need to take risks against Kansas City, Cincinnati, dare I say Jacksonville. Out in the NFC, you got to take risks to beat the San Francisco 49ers. I'll talk about them later. That roster is stacked. You've got to take risks to beat the Eagles. You don't, you don't need to take risks to beat the seven seed Dolphins. You would know you play them twice a year. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But Josh Allen got carries the ball. Threw an interception on a deep ball to Stephon Diggs. It was, it was, you could, or I'm sorry, was it to Gabe? I think it was to Gabe Davis. Let me, I, I, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, one of the two. Uh, um, no, John Brown. I'm sorry. It was John Brown. He was, he was throwing the deep pass too. You could argue Romo was talking about it was probably on John Brown because Josh Allen's throwing the ball inside. John Brown is going outside. A little bit of miscommunication. But my question is, why are you throwing that football in the first place? At that point, and, and again, I, I'm not for conservative coaching, but you're playing at a clearly inferior roster that's injured. The defense can't stop you. You're at home. You've got a three-score lead. Just play it safe from there. If Miami builds a couple of drives, scores a couple of touchdowns, field goals, okay, then you get a little aggressive. Then you're like, okay, let's let's put him to bed now. With all the momentum, just keep momentum. Just, there's no need to take risks. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, used to you know used to do this in games at times. He has it this year because I don't think he's had the luxury to without Tyreek Hill. But Patrick Mahomes will be up three touchdowns and be like, oh, what the heck? Let's try a shot down the field against you know, an inferior team, whether it be the Broncos, the Raiders, or somebody. And there would be times those teams would get back in the game. Now, Kansas City would pull it out, but it was closer than it really needed to be. Josh Allen's doing that same thing. It's a little, not just Andrew Luckish, it's a little Brett Farvish. And I like Josh Allen more than I like Brett Favre as a talent, but Brett Favre was, would occasionally do this. Take that big, massive shot down the field when you really don't have to. Like, you don't. So for for, for Josh Allen, um, he's got to be better. And this season, here, here's, here's a stat for you guys. This is a stat I teased in, in to, to open the show. Josh Allen has more interceptions and fumbles, combine the two, picks and fumbles, than any quarterback in the NFL. And now this is the 18th game for the Bills. In 18 games, he has 32 fumbles and interceptions. Second place is Matt Ryan. Third place is Justin Fields. That, that can't happen. And sometimes, and again, great quarterback talents often do this. It's why I love Justin Herbert because he really doesn't. Mahomes doesn't really do it anymore. Uh, Aaron Rodgers for a while really didn't do it up until this year. When you have quarterbacks with monster arms, guys that can, you know, throw it darn near goal line to goal line if you gave them the opportunity to in a dome, they like to show off the arm. And it, I mean, it's understandable. There's only so many people on the planet that can throw a a, a ball the shape that a, a pigskin is 70 yards, 80 yards at times with the air distance traveled, by the way. 
but you don't need to always show it off. That's what Justin Herbert's gotten from day one. It's what Patrick Mahomes has gotten as of late. Josh Allen, year five, still tends to get into those bad habits. So to say that that was, it was certainly the least, listen, a win's a win in the playoffs. You, you take, you, you, it's like what they say in March Madness, survive in advance. Get the W and move on to the next one. But for Josh Allen, he is, they're facing Cincinnati. I'll about to talk about the Bengals. He's got to clean this up against a Cincinnati defense. That is for real. That is legit. That gave Patrick Mahomes problems. He's got to clean it up. The turnovers, the careless throws. That second pick to Beasley, that was, I don't think I was on Josh. Okay, the guy got in, broke it up. Um, but I, I just don't understand the decision-making by Josh at times. I mean, there, there's a reason. This is why you can't always look at just the stats on their face. Like Josh Allen, you look at his numbers, like, man, he played pretty well. 23 for 39, 352 yards, three touchdowns, 93 pass rating, which is above average. But ESPN said, nah, his QBR is 26, 0 to 100. So not good at all. So for Josh Allen, clean up the mistakes, clean up the turnovers. And if he does, this Bills team can go can go to the Super Bowl and they can go win the Super Bowl. But I, I'm not I'm not sure I, I'm not sure what's behind some of the decision making at times with with Josh, who's again one of the great talents in the league, but can get can almost as if he's trying to show off his arm a little bit, and that can really get you into trouble. It won't get you into trouble against Miami. It, it's not going to put you in serious jeopardy against the Miami Dolphins. It will against the Bengals. It will against the Chiefs if you beat the Bengals and the Chiefs beat the Jaguars. Got to clean that up. As for Miami, look, Mike McDaniel did a good job this year. Winning record, got the Dolphins their first playoff, uh, got, got them their first playoff appearance in six years, and, and did all he could with a third-string quarterback in Skylar Thompson. I still think that the Dolphins would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't at least consider going after Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is certainly an upgrade over Tua, just in terms of availability. If nothing else for Tua, you're not sure if he's going to be able to play 14 games. I'm not asking you to necessarily play 16, 17, but 13, 14 games? You're not sure. Because now the concussions have become a problem. Even before in Alabama, he had injury problems. And some of it is a slight frame. You see this with other small quarterbacks, Kyler Murray. Okay? But they'd be not, they wouldn't be doing their due diligence if they didn't at least consider Derek Carr. Add Derek Carr to this Miami team with those weapons. This, this is a dangerous playoff team moving forward, if not a threat to win the, the division. Heck, Miami almost beat Buffalo with Skylar Thompson, who, you know, completed under 50% of his passes. So, but I would consider this a successful season for the Miami Dolphins without a question. Comment from here, Patrick Brown. He says, Josh Allen's interceptions are getting higher by the week. It's something I pointed out midway through the season. He hasn't played a clean game since the Chiefs game. Wow, that was week six. That was three months ago. A big cause for concern. 100%. Uh, and that was really Josh's best game of the season to date. Not just because he was, you know, played clean football and led a game when he drive an arrowhead, but just in terms of the fact that, you know, using his legs. Uh, but again, for Buffalo, I, I, I don't, I don't get this with the bills. They cannot develop a running game. And in part because their offensive line is bad. And against Sam Hubbard next week, DJ Reader in the interior, that's going to be a problem against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, again, <clears throat> if not for Josh Allen, they would not have ran for over 100 yards. 
Like they they cannot run. I'm not listen. You don't need to be a run first off uh, team to win the Super Bowl. You need to have a great quarterback to win the Super Bowl. But just having the support, making things easier on your franchise quarterback goes a long way. It, so he's not playing second and 11 as opposed to second and four. It, it, it gives you so much more freedom in your play calling from there. And some of that's Buffalo doesn't commit to the run, and some of that is their offensive line isn't very good in terms of run blocking. And really in pass protecting as well. Josh Allen was pressured a lot yesterday against Miami. But a win is a win. Buffalo's moving on. They will host the Bengals next week in what will be a very, very, very interesting game. That, that one will kick off, I think that's Sunday. Yeah, Sunday at 3 o'clock. Bengals will take on the Bills. Today, the Bills are a five-and-a-half point favorite. Right now, I would take Cincinnati in the points. Not necessarily to win, but the points. But I'll shift, though, to well, – before I shift to Cincinnati, got a few comments here. Uh, let's see. Grady says, I want to clarify this before I ask it. Not meant to be an insensitive question. How much do we know about DeMar's health? Do you think if Buffalo made the Super Bowl, he would try and suit up? Uh, I, I, I'd have a hard time believing it. to me, if I'm DeMar Hamlin, because obviously what happened after Monday night to being where we are now, two weeks after the injury is the best case scenario for him to be home, healthy, doing well, totally alert is the best case scenario. At this point, if I'm, if I'm DeMar Hamlin, I'm thinking, and I'm sure, I'm sure they're doing this as we speak. They're, they're way ahead of us, but figuring out what happened, why it happened. Um, you're not rushing to judgment, this or that. Just figure out why he went into cardiac arrest on the field. You know, figure out what happened. Uh, Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. What's up, Ryan? He says, Hamla's done for a while. Cardiac arrest is serious. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't listen. Hamla Ham will make the decision for his, his football future. Uh, obviously, that's the decision between him and, you know, his doctors, his family. And so um, we'll see what happens. But like I said, best case scenario considering what happened. I mean, just two weeks ago, folks, considering he's doing the way he's doing. Hats off. Ryan says Bengals win that game. Talking about their uh, matchup against the Bills in the divisional round. I think it's going to be the, to me, it's the most interesting game of the weekend. Okay. Cause if you look at the divisional matchups, Jacksonville, Kansas city's fun. Uh, I think Kansas city probably covers probably their eight and a half point favorite uh, giants, Eagles. Again, I'm smelling upset. I'm not going to go plunge and say upset, but Given how the Giants are playing, heck, the Giants' JV team gave the Eagles starters problems last week. So I'm, I think that'll be a closer game than people uh, realize or understand. Then you got Bengals-Bills, which is Burrow versus Allen. You can't, you can't ask for anything more than that. And then you'll have either the Cowboys taking on the Niners or the Bucks taking on the Niners. Either case, I think the Niners blow, uh, blow both teams out of the water. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, and Grady says, really t- uh, tore up when I heard what the doctor said to him. It was beautiful. 100%. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was. You know, for those of you that don't know, the doctor went to DeMar Hamlin when he was alert. And he said, DeMar's first question, which, you know, what we've learned about DeMar is that he seems to be a very selfless young man. 
He said, did we win the game? And the doctor said, yes, Damar, you've won the game of life. It's, it's a beautiful quote. It's a beautiful moment um, after what was just a terrifying, terrifying Monday night without a question. Patrick Brown says, I'll take the Bengals in an upset. Cincinnati is good at making halftime adjustments. They are. And that's something I, I've always been skeptical of Zach Taylor. But that is that is somewhere where he, somewhere he's good at. Bengals really struggled in the first half, and I'm about to get into Cincinnati. But they really struggled in the first half against Baltimore yesterday. Still weren't great in the second half, but did what they needed to do to, do to get the W. So as for that game, listen, uh, I'm not going to sit here and brag that I predicted the final score, 24 to 17. You know, but the fact that it that did surprise because I mean I, I, I didn't see that coming. But the fact that it was close, the fact that it literally came down to the last play did not surprise me in the slightest. First of all, this is the, these are the Baltimore Ravens. This is a prideful organization. This is an organization that prides itself on great defenses, which they had this year, adding Roquan Smith, who was a monster last night. Uh, you can see why they gave him the extension they gave him. Uh, not to mention Patrick Queen play well. The secondary was good. Uh, they After that, that first quarter, they kept Jamar Chase in check for the most part. Um... Uh, Hayden Hurst didn't get any explosive plays in the passing game, which he tends to do as Joe Burrow's security blanket. This was bound to be a close game. The familiarity between the two teams, heck, they just played last week. So you had that aspect to it. Uh, and you had Tyler Huntley, who's obviously an, an upgrade over Anthony Brown. Tyler Huntley's not like a starter or anything, but he's certainly better than Anthony Brown, who had made his first start in the NFL last week. Here's what I look at for Cincinnati. Obviously, you can argue, hey, they got lucky, right? You, um, Tyler Huntley made a mistake. In fact, it was third down and goal coaches, and I tweeted this uh, as soon as it happened. Coaches always tell you, unless it's fourth down, don't ever reach the ball over the top and leave leave it exposed for somebody to punch the ball out. Like that's it, So many guys have gotten in trouble doing that. And for Cincinnati, obviously, you saw Sam Hubbard, or Logan Wilson, the linebacker, who's a really good player, by the way, punch the ball out, uh, out of Tyler Huntley, Huntley's hands. Sam Hubbard picks it up, takes the ball 90, 98 yards to the house, and that ended up being the final score, 24 to 17 Cincinnati. But a lot of folks are kind of looking at this as a, oh, Cincinnati's in trouble. Here's how I view it. First of all, this can be close anyway, but second of all, the Bengals, and I talked about this last Friday, Bengals kind of came in the playoffs acting as if they were a dynasty. It was like you, the, the famous quote by Joe Mixon, the running back, we're the big dogs of the AFC. I'm like, Joe, there's not a big dog in the AFC. Cincinnati's got the, I'm sorry, uh, Kansas City has the best record. They've won a Super Bowl. If there's anybody that's a big dog, it's them. But nobody, there's not a dynasty in the NFL right now. The, the, the most recent dynasty was obviously New England. Everybody's got a good shot. Everybody's going to leak quarterback. Uh, Kansas City has the advantage of coach and Andy Reid, but Buffalo probably has better weapons. Cincinnati certainly does. Okay, Cincinnati's got a great defense, an underrated defense in my opinion. Secondary's not great, but front seven is outstanding. Just not a lot of big-name players on that side of the ball as there is opposed to the offense. But here's what's concerning for me for Cincinnati moving forward. It's not that they played a close game against the Ravens. They were, they were going to play a close game against the Ravens. They just lost their third offensive lineman, Jonah Williams. So you lose Alex Kappa. Then you lose Lyle Collins, and now you lose Jonah Williams. So that's three of your five offensive linemen down. We're not sure how long Jonah Williams is going to be out. I haven't gotten any word on how severe the injury is, but it, it didn't look good. So for Cincinnati, over more than half your offensive line, 60% of your offensive line, backups. And again, this, this is a cruel twist of fate for Joe Burrow in particular. 
Because how, and I, I, you know, I said this going to the playoffs last year. What was going to be the Cincinnati Bengals downfall? They could not protect Joe Burrow. We obviously know when he got sacked, a, which was tied for a playoff record nine times against the Tennessee Titans. Then he was, he was sacked, I think the number was seven times on his last 22 dropbacks in the Super Bowl against Aaron Donald, Von Miller. That was what was going to get them. And when you consider Buffalo, who obviously Von Miller's done for the year, and that was obviously a huge loss for the Bills. But Ed Oliver is really good up the middle, mostly in, in, in stopping the run. But they've got plenty of guys. Matt Milano's good in the front seven. Plenty of guys that can come on blitzes or even in even just a four-man rush to get to Joe Burrow. And especially if you play Kansas City, you'll have to face Chris Jones. So plenty of elite pass rushers that the Bengals are going to have to face moving forward. Plenty of great defensive lines. Front sevens they'll have to play moving forward. That's what, that, that is what concerns me for the Cincinnati Bengals. It, it's, it's not that Joe Burrow didn't play his best game. Baltimore's a great defense. Okay, the Bengals were the only team in the last month and a half to score over 20 against the Ravens defense, and that was in large part because of some turnovers by Anthony Brown, the back, the, I'm sorry, the third string quarterback for the Ravens. That was what got uh, uh, Baltimore in terms of them not holding Cincinnati to the teens. But th th this is going to be a fascinating matchup. I'm certainly in terms of uh, of the spread. I'm leaning Cincinnati because five and a half feels like too much, just because of how much Buffalo struggles. So you you anticipate maybe they'll bounce back. But that is what concerns me about Cincinnati. They got a tremendous defense. We know what Joe Burrow is and what he represents. He's now four and one in the playoffs. That's that's outstanding. Uh, Jamar chases that dude. T Higgins played well. Uh, you'd like to get a little bit more from Hayden Hurst, but I assume he'll bounce back. Joe Mixon. That offensive line is feels like once again is what's going to cause the Bengals' downfall. And it, it's a shame because it first half of the season, it looked just like it looks like a carbon copy of 2020 when Joe Burrow had a season-ending leg injury, and 2021 when he was sacked 70 times if you combine the regular season and the playoffs. Now, second half of the season, they built a, a good rapport, good chemistry. Joe Burrow's getting the ball out of his hands quickly, Tom Brady-esque. Now, looks like it's going to be a wash, rinse, repeat of his first two years as the Cincinnati quarterback. Certainly, God knows we don't wish injury upon Joe Burrow, but man, he is way more exposed now than he was before. That's what concerns me about the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Patrick Brown says, Lamar Jackson's absence shows the organization how valuable he is. Agreed, Patrick. Negotiations turned ugly, and now we'll have to pay Lamar $65 to $70 million annually. Whatever it takes, get him done. Or, or get it done, uh, if you're Lamar Jackson. Uh, and Grady says, if Lamar is serious about getting the deal done, he should get an agent. I do agree he should get an agent. I think negotiating in person does hurt matters in terms of, uh, you know, with an agent, an organization is more than com comfortable when when talks get a little, uh, you know, if, if things get tight a little bit, you know, the, the organization is more than comfortable telling the agent, like, hey, we like him, but, and then lists flaws. Well, in this case, they got to tell Lamar that to his face. So you certainly, you kind of burn the bridge a little bit between both sides. Um, I agree with Patrick in terms that they need Lamar moving forward. They're not going to, they're not going to win a whole lot of game, playoff games with Tyler Huntley. They played Cincinnati close because there's familiarity. But if Baltimore ran into Buffalo, into Kansas City. I'm not so sure that the, those games would have been as close as they were, or that matchup would have been as close as it was. Uh, certainly as close as a, a Ravens receiver dropping, and not dropping, but being in position to catch a Hail Mary off of the ricochet. 
Like it was, it was that close. It was very much hold your breath in Cincinnati, Ohio on that last play. We'll see what happens with the Lamar Jackson situation. It feels like it's getting more and more nasty by the day. Uh, for his sake, heck, for the Ravens' sake, because I, I enjoy watching the Baltimore Ravens. I think it's one of the most well-run organizations in the league. I think Lamar Jackson is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. He's won an MVP. But there's got to be some sort of compromise between the two sides in order to get this deal done. And uh, if not, we'll listen, Lamar will be certainly the, the hottest free agent quarterback in the market. I'd say even more so than Tom Brady, because Tom's only got a year or two left. Uh, and for the Ravens, they're, listen, they're a great franchise. We'll see what they do at quarterback. But this is the best quarterback that they've had in their history. No disrespect to Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco. Lamar's the only one that's won an MVP. Although Flacco was dominant in the playoffs. Give him credit where it's due. He was great in the playoffs. Grady says, I, I kind of agree with you here, Grady. Uh, Grady says, I kind of think Lamar will get tagged and traded. That feels like that's where it's going. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I've always compared Lamar's, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always compared Lamar's contract situation to Dak's. In terms of the back and forth tug of war between Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott, and Todd France, who's Dak's agent. And obviously, it's different in that Lamar does have an agent unlike Dak. But I think this, the animosity, the tension in the room is way thicker in Baltimore than I think it ever was in Dallas. It was tense in Dallas. It wasn't this tense. Uh, yeah, I anticipate they'll, they'll tag him, which I hate, the, I hate the franchise tag so much. But I can see them go on that route. And yeah, they, they very well might trade Lamar. They get a big package for Lamar. There's no question about it. Uh, I know some people suggested Chicago, maybe. Uh, I don't think, well, of course, no, Lamar does have a no-trade clause because he hasn't signed a big contract yet. So a lot of, lot of variables in this situation for, for uh, Baltimore moving forward. It will probably be the biggest, um, the biggest story of the offseason, if we're being honest. Patrick says Lamar deserves a fully guaranteed contract. If Deshaun can get his fully guaranteed and only play seven games, Lamar earned it one way or another. Yes, the, the Deshaun contract definitely threw a wrench in it. Um, I'm more of the mindset that, and again, Cleveland, this is why nobody likes Cleveland. This is why I don't like Cleveland. This is why the owners don't like the Haslam family. It's because they're like, really, you, considering the off-field history of Deshaun, considering just the fact that he hadn't played in a year, or in this, if you include this season, a year and a half, and you give him that deal, the biggest in the history of the National Football League, fully guaranteed. To me, there's like three, four play. <clears throat> excuse me, three or four players that are deserving in the NFL <clears throat> of fully guaranteed deals: Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lawrence. I'd probably throw Herbert in there as well. Like to me, those are the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Ironically, all of them come from the AFC. Although, watch out! Watch out! For my man, Sturdy Brock Purdy. I want to talk about the Niners for just a second. So they beat the Seattle Seahawks soundly, 41-23, to in a game that Seattle actually led at halftime because of a, a really bad mistake uh, by, uh, I think it was Jimmy Ward of the 49ers, who hit Geno Smith as he was sliding down, gave the Seahawks an extra 15 yards. Uh, they got a field goal for the half. Why Why? Why they even, you know, 
squibbed it with 13 seconds left. You 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 do a squib kick when there's two seconds left, not 13, because then you give the, the you know the, the opposition a chance to maybe get a, a quick play and get a, a field goal at the end of the half, which Seattle did. But nevertheless, game really flipped when Gino was strip sacked and it was recovered by Nick Bosa in the third quarter, and the Niners never looked back from there. I don't. I'll tell you this. So I said on last Friday's show that I don't care that Brock Purdy had only played six games and started five. He's a rookie of the year. He's a rookie of the year. Fair or unfair with other guys at other positions. Um, Chris Olave, who was my preseason pick to win rookie of the year on the offensive side. Kenneth Walker, who was great for Seattle this year. Played more games, obviously, than Brock Purdy did. The quarterback is more valuable than any other position. And certainly makes more of an impact. And when you look at Brock Purdy has done for these 49ers, again, this is his first playoff start against a Seattle defense that is, you know, not a bunch of scrubs there. You got Quandre Diggs who's good. He got a good pass rush. I mean, Seattle is no joke uh, on the defensive side of the ball, not to mention they are coached by Pete Carroll, uh, which certainly helps matters. But Brock Purdy on Saturday, 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, zero turnovers, a passer rating of 131, and a QBR 0 to 100 of 89. Sturdy Brock Purdy did his thing again. And what he brings to the Niners offense is two things that Jimmy Garoppolo could not bring. And something that Trey Lance hasn't shown either of. This is why I think the Niners, they'll definitely let Jimmy G walk in free agency and there's a chance they may just go ahead and trade Trey Lance to somebody that believes in him as a franchise quarterback. Because you guys know I love Trey Lance. He never looked this good on tape as the, the, the Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy out of Iowa State did. Two things that Brock Purdy brings to the Niners that Jimmy never could. A, the ability to push the ball down the field. Just in his first start of his NFL career, it was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had more throws outside uh, outside the numbers, down the field, that Jimmy had all season. They trusted a rookie more than they trusted a veteran. The rookie doesn't have those limitations that Jimmy does. And, and I like to, listen, I've been critical of Jimmy. I, th- I think he's a, st- a below-average starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, he's, he's below Kirk Cousins. That's kind of how I look at Jimmy. They could never do an offense with Jimmy what they could do with with Purdy, the second thing that Brock Purdy brings to the table, mobility. You see all those some of those plays that Kyle Shannon designed. You see some of those uh, improvised plays that Brock Purdy made, where he's running around trying to find somebody open. Jimmy couldn't do that, and Trey Lance, who I looked at as a mobile guy, didn't do that much himself. And when he did, he wasn't near as accurate with the football as Brock Purdy was. We can say all day, well, he's got George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Ayuk. Juwan Jennings, Trent Williams, the offensive line, Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, defensively, all the stars that they've got. We could say that all day and all night, but they never looked this good until the rookie took over. It's it's very, it's very Kurt Warner-ish. Where Kurt Warner, now Kurt Warner wasn't a rookie. Like again, when I did my playoff weaknesses, I said, I don't see the the Niners' weakness. They're to me the best roster in the NFL, led by one of the best coaches in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan. Their weakness to me was just a historic fact. A rookie quarterback's never led a team to the Super Bowl. If there was ever one to be put in a position to do so, it's Brock Purdy. Putting the guys in position to make plays. And again, a lot of credit does go to Kyle Shanahan for uh, for putting Brock in position to succeed. But it's Kurt Warner's where Kurt Warner takes over a team. Was it Trent Green, I think, was the starter for the Rams at that point? Good player. But Kurt Warner takes over and the greatest show on turf is born. 
And Kurt was obviously, everybody knows his story. It was documented in that movie, American Underdog. But Brock's a similar situation where seventh round pick, last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant as it's known. Not that many people in the NFL that are more relevant than sturdy Brock Purdy. Love what I saw from him against Seattle. They will take on again the winner of tonight's game, which I'm about to predict between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. But man, Brock was outstanding without a shadow of a doubt. We've got a few comments here. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Grady says, Bryce, you have a lot of doppelgangers. I was sitting back watching Brock Purdy's press conference and couldn't help think, man, that looks like my man Bryce up there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take, yeah, Grady, I will take that. I will, I will take that. I appreciate that because I've always looked at, at, uh, at Cooper Cup as my doppelganger. Uh, I, I always call him twin anytime Cooper Cup does something big. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take... I'll, I'll take ownership of that. I appreciate that, Grady. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I, I'll, Brock Purdy and Cooper Cuff, come on. Just, don't get better than that. Patrick Brown says, Brock Purdy is the quarterback of the future. If I'm San Francisco, I'd be looking to package Trey Lance and get some serious draft picks in return via Indianapolis should consider this on draft night. The only thing I think what Indianapolis would, would hold back on is they're, they're an organizational mess, and Chris Ballard, the GM, this is kind of his last shot. Like if he if if the Colts don't make some kind of significant improvement in 2023, then Chris Ballard, who I think is a good general manager, but we know how impulsive the owner Jim Irsay is, he'll fire Chris Ballard. So he's looking to kind of hit a home run, whether it's with a rookie quarterback. And the thing with Trey Lance is, as talented as I think he is, and as much as I loved him coming out of that draft class of 2021, he's barely on the field. He can barely stay healthy. And so that's something you got to consider moving forward if you are a team looking to trade for Trey Lance. But to your first statement, Brock Purdy. Oh, yeah. He's he's more than proven that he's the guy for the future for the Niners. Even if they were to get upset next week, I mean, is, is, is there something? Unless Brock Purdy would have to stink up the joint big time. And it, there's a game in the future, probably in these playoffs, where he'll struggle. Heck, he struggled at times in the first half. In the first quarter, he missed some some reads that you, you're not used to seeing Brock Purdy miss. He missed Jawan Jennings. There was a little bit of a timing miscommunication. He missed George Kittle. Missed Debo Samuel in the first play of the game. First throw of the game, rather. But I, I, I don't know, man. In terms of the, the poise, the accuracy, the arm strength, the mobility. And the, by the way, the locker room loves him. He's got, he's got the whole package. I mean, outside of size, he, he's not a big kid. I, I don't know what he's, what, what do we can get Brock Purdy? So he's, okay, ESPN's got him at 6'1", 220. So not a big athlete, not a, a Josh Allen or a Trevor Lawrence by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, certainly I don't think height is a detriment to him. I don't think it's a situation like a Russell Wilson or a Kyla Murray, or even at times late in his career, a Drew Brees. So that's off Sturdy Purdy. He, he did his thing. And the Niners are moving on. Uh, to me, they have separated from the rest of the NFC. I mean, tell me where their weakness is. Safety? <laughs> That's it. They're elite in the offensive line. Their core, I'm not saying Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback. I think he has a franchise quarterback. I'm not going to go to elite yet. He's only, you know, he's only six starts in, but their quarterback is playing elite. They've got an elite wide receiver core, an elite tight end, an elite running back, and a very good running back in Elijah Mitchell. Um, an elite pass rush with the defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, an elite linebacking core with Fred Warner, who's probably the best at his position in the sport, a secondary that has improved drastically from a year ago, Robbie Gold, who, you know, not to jinx anybody, but Robert, Robbie Gold has never missed a kick in the playoffs in his career. 
with the Chicago Bears and now with the San Francisco 49ers. Tell me where their weakness is. Uh, they got an elite coach. I mean, I, I don't know. The rest of the NFC, we look at the NFCs and the inferior conference. If Philadelphia is the second best team, I think it's a significant gap between them and the, and the uh, 49ers. Jalen Hurts, we would you know we would peg him as better because he's he's been consistently better over a longer period of time. But to me, what it comes down to, folks, Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan. You guys know I'm rolling with that in, in that argument. Listen, people have been critical of Kyle Shanahan, some of his late game decision making. He's obviously, I think, three times in his career, he's blown three double digit fourth quarter leads. Obviously, he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons when they look away Atlanta fans, but when they blew that 25 point lead in the Super Bowl. As the head coach of the 49ers, he blew a 10-point lead to Mahomes and the Chiefs. Last year, blew a 10-point lead to the Rams. But I don't, I don't think there's that many coaches that provides more in terms of adjustments, in terms of creativity that, that Kyle Shanahan brings to the table. He, he, he's the best. He, he's outstanding. Uh, real quick before I get to my prediction for tonight's game, because I'm looking forward to that, if I can pull it up. Okay. So we got big, big news in the head coaching uh, race, if you will, the head coaching search for five teams that are current, currently uh, that position is currently vacant at. So a big domino fell. Wasn't Sean Payton? Which that's still to be determined. But it was somebody else. So according to oh, we got the statement here. Okay, according to. Uh, uh, Santa Ono, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, who is the uh, University of Michigan president. <clears throat> he said, quote, I just got off the phone with Coach Harbaugh and Jim shared with me the great news that he's going to remain the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. That is fantastic news that I've communicated to our athletic director, Ward Manuel. Go blue. So Jim Harbaugh, we got this news about 30 minutes before the show started, about an hour before the show started, rather. Jim Harbaugh is coming back to be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. Um, I agree with it. I Listen, I think Jim is one of the better NFL head coaches that don't get enough credit for how good he was. Folks, he took over a San Francisco team that in 2010 was terrible and in three straight years got to the NFC Championship game. One of the years, the, the middle year, 2012, got to the Super Bowl and almost won it against his brother, John Harbaugh. But again, I've always said this about Jim. Everywhere he goes, <clears throat> college or pros, and this is rare, like, Jimmy Johnson is the only comparison I can think of. And it, the only difference with Jimmy is he's won Super Bowls. But Jimmy uh, or Jim Harbaugh went to Stanford, who was a, in the dumpster, won there. Went to the 49ers, won there. He's at Michigan. They're, they're the best that they've been in two, three decades. We can criticize him, and rightfully so, for his uh, unimpressive bowl record and losing the last two years in the college football playoff. But... My response would be Michigan 10 years ago would kill to be in position to win national championships. So this is a big, big win for the University of Michigan. Uh, certainly a big loss for the teams that are looking for a, a coach. Uh, you look at teams like the Texans, Colts, Broncos, Panthers. Who's the last team? Wait. And Arizona. Arizona, because Cliff Kingsbury is in Thailand right now, as we learned before the playoffs began. So good for Cliff Kingsbury. I hope he's uh hope he's enjoying his his little Sabbatical, if you will. Okay. So let me get a drink real quick.
The moment has arrived. The moment has arrived in Tampa Bay, Florida. So I'm going to try and set this up the best that I can before I officially make my prediction. The Dallas Cowboys, the five seed with a 12-5 and record, take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are the four seed with an 8-9 and record. Obviously the champions of the worst division of football this year, the NFC South. Dallas in this game is favored by a field goal on the road. So Vegas obviously loves Dallas being in position uh, to do something that they have not done in three decades, almost to the day, and that is when a road playoff game. They have not done that. Since January of 1993, they won the NFC Championship game against Steve Young and the San Francisco 49ers. A game that, by the way, they were actually an underdog in, fun fact. They won that game against the Niners, went to the Super Bowl, dominated the Bills, got back to the Super Bowl year after that, dominated the Bills again, lost to the Niners the following year at at Old Candlestick Park in the NFC title game, then came back to the Super Bowl, beat the Pittsburgh Steelers pretty comfortably. It wasn't a blow, but it was was a fairly comfortable game. Larry Brown won Super Bowl MVP, and they have not been into an NFC title game ever since. Forget a Super Bowl. So this is, for Dallas, a... Kind of a, a, a game you're going to look at and, and, and judge the franchise. Even harsher or reserve judgment for a later date should they win this game. For Tampa Bay, obviously we know Super Bowl champions from two years ago. Tom Brady, age 45, year 23, who had a subpar year by his standards. I would not say a bad year by Tom Brady. He certainly has some good games. You look at Kansas City, Carolina. Uh, he didn't play bad against Dallas when these two teams met all the way back in week one. Here's what I'm looking at in terms of the history. So Dallas, we understand their history. We know the pr- there's way more pressure on the Cowboys to win than there are the Buccaneers. Buccaneers won a Super Bowl. What's the pressure? It's Tom Brady. He's, he's been here and he's done that a million times. As a matter of fact, Tom Brady has as many playoff wins alone as the Dallas Cowboys have as a franchise 35. So we got a little tiebreaker here. But some of Dallas's recent playoff struggles. We think about on the road, Tony Romo, missed hold against the Seattle Seahawks. It was a chip shot field goal. If I'm forgetting who the kicker was, was it John Brown? It was some, no, it wasn't John Brown. It was somebody else. I'm forgetting his name. Chip shot field goal would have won it against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Tony Romo was the holder, and he bobbled the snap, and the Seahawks beat the Cowboys. A year after that, the Cowboys were the number one seed in the NFC, the prohibitive favorite to get to Super Bowl 45, right? 44, I'm sorry. Super Bowl 44 that year. And they lost to the sixth seed in New York Giants who went on, obviously, to upset the undefeated New England Patriots. So another playoff uh, heartbreak. A couple years after that, they beat the Philadelphia Eagles in what was their first first playoff win in some time, but then got blown out by Brett Favre and the Minnesota Vikings in Minneapolis. They didn't make the playoffs until another five years back in 2014, which was probably the closest the Cowboys have ever been to winning the Super Bowl, or at least getting there since the dynastic days of the 90s. They beat Detroit on a game-winning drive led by Tony Romo, and of course infamously fell to the Green Bay Packers in the Dez Cotic game, which for the record, Dez absolutely and obviously caught that pass. There's, there's no debate. Even Packers fans would have to agree with me on that. A couple years after that, My man, Dak Prescott, rookie quarterback with Ezekiel Elliott, rookie running back, led the Cowboys to a 13-3 record, 
where they ran into the guy that beat Tony Romo two years prior, Aaron Rodgers, and this time he pulled his magic with the third and 20 play to Jared Cook, and Green Bay beat Dallas on a walk-off field goal. A couple years after that, Dak Prescott got his first NFL playoff win against the Seattle Seahawks. Had the third down and 14 run that essentially clinched the game. And the week after that, Cowboys lost on the road to Los Angeles and gave up over 300 yards rushing. Or almost 300 yards rushing, more or less. Didn't make the playoffs until a year ago when they lost to the San Francisco 49ers. The defense did not play well. My man Dak Prescott did not play well. And the coaching was, well, let's just say it left a lot to be desired. So they're coming into this game today with a heck of a lot of pressure. They're playing an eight-win team. They're playing a team that struggled all season long, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And most importantly, they're playing the greatest that ever did it, Tom Brady. So can we go ahead and get the background music playing? Do we have it? Here we go. Arguably the most important stat going in this game is, well, if you ask Tom Brady, how have you done in your career? How have you fared in your career against the Dallas Cowboys? His response would be, I'm undefeated, never lost. The loss. 7-0 in his career against the Dallas Cowboys, including wins in three of the last four seasons. I happen to be in attendance for one of them opening night last year in Tampa Bay. It's a phenomenal game. Both quarterbacks were outstanding. But the problem was Tom Brady got the ball last, and he drove down for the winning touchdown to knock off the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry, the winning field goal to knock off Dallas late in that matchup on opening night 2021. They unfortunately... Never got to, mat, uh, to meet up in the postseason. Well, now they do. For Tampa Bay, only twice all season long did they score 30 points. That was against the Kansas City Chiefs, and then a couple weeks back against the Carolina Panthers in a game that clinched the NFC South. For Dallas, they're 5-3 and three against playoff teams. Their defense was outstanding the first half of the season and has really tailed off as of late. 300-yard gains given up to the Giants to the lowly Jeff Saturday-led Indianapolis Colts. Excuse me, to the to the Texans, who have the second pick in the draft. Not to mention they actually struggled against the Chicago Bears before that. The big story as well, coming into this one, is Dak Prescott's interceptions. And I broke them down this year, or a, couple, a few weeks ago, after they beat Tennessee. Half are on Dak, half are not. It is like literally right down the middle, Probably his worst interception of the year he threw last week against Washington to Kendall Fuller after avoiding dodging a bullet pick six before that. Not to mention a lot of quarterbacks, I'll show you in this graphic right here, a lot of quarterbacks have thrown double-digit interceptions. Let's, Let's not act like Dak has an interception problem over the course of his career, at least. Dallas, in this game, certainly has the advantage in the running game. Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, and an offensive line that is beat up but in the running game specifically, is very, very good. Zach Martin's going to be a future Hall of Famer, as is Tyron Smith, as is Jason Peters, although he's in the twilight stages of his career. For Tampa Bay, they get massive reinforcements, getting Ryan Jensen back at center, who they have not had all season long. Tom Brady's go-to guy is his number one uh, guy who snaps the ball, guy who dictates the line of scrimmage, calls out protections. That's what Ryan Jensen is. He is incredibly valuable to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to Tom Brady, for that matter. This is a game 
that I will guarantee you will not be a blowout. Tampa Bay is not going to destroy Dallas. Dallas is not going to destroy Tampa Bay. Both have the firepower to do so. But I have a feeling that both defenses, at least early on, are going to come to play. Micah Parsons, who has been quiet as a mouse on Christmas Eve since the midpoint of the season, is going to show up and show out. I say he gets a sack and a half tonight. Conversely for Tampa Bay, I think Vita Vea has a big night. I think Kel Moore will be a little too married to the run game, certainly on first, first down with Ezekiel Elliott, which drives me absolutely crazy. And Vita Vea will make his presence known early on. Tampa Bay secondary certainly is better than Dallas. Carlton Davis, uh, you've got uh, Jamel Dean, plenty of got Logan Ryan. Dallas's defense is Trayvon Diggs and a lot of backups. Deron Bland has played well, but expect them to possibly go at him early and see you know, where he's at physically. Dallas is really beat up in the back end. So, it's close. I think it's low scoring going into the fourth quarter. And then, folks, I think the offenses go nuts. Dak Prescott balls out. Tom Brady balls out. Leading touchdown drives, leading field goal drives. I'll tell you, though, what makes this decision for me. As you see, again, for the podcast audience listening, I am wearing a Dak Prescott hat and a Tom Brady jersey. As a matter of fact, I actually have a blue Gatorade. It's not cowboy blue. It's more like glacier blue. And a red fruit punch Gatorade. So I'm as unbiased as it gets. I love Tom Brady and I love Dak Prescott. What makes the decision for me personally is that over the last week, certainly over the course of the season, of the last month, but certainly over the last week, everybody has written Dak Prescott off. He's average. He's not the answer long term in Dallas. He is the weak link. Can the Cowboys win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott? Will he hold them back from doing so? And since before the season, I said the Cowboys were going to go one and done. Certainly, if you'd have told me they'd be facing Tampa Bay in round one, I'd be like, oh, this is easy. They have a Tampa Bay in a, in a blowout. But with everybody jumping off of the Dak Prescott train, even his most staunch defenders I've seen in the media have jumped off the train. I will... <laughs> I'll be screwed if I'm the next one to jump off that train. Give me the Dallas Cowboys. They will not cover. I have no confidence in covering. Cowboys win this game in what to me is an upset. 28-27. Rain Dakota Prescott shuts up all the doubters. He does what all the great quarterbacks in Dallas have done, and that is win in the playoffs. That is win on the road in the playoffs. And ultimately, when it's all said and done, Dallas will be heading to San Francisco. Tom Brady's Tampa Bay career will be over. And the Dallas Cowboys will get a, a win that will likely secure Mike McCarthy's spot long-term in the franchise. It will certainly leave no doubt as to the value of Dak Prescott to the franchise. Rain Dakota Prescott, I'll be talking tomorrow, is that dude. You see him wearing his jersey now. Give me the Cowboys. Do I have confidence? Absolutely not. No confidence whatsoever. But I'm rolling with Rain, Dakota, Prescott to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road despite, quite honestly, having an inferior roster offensively and defensively in the secondary. Cowboys win 28-27. to And Dak Prescott 
Not Joe Burrow or Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. No, not Aaron Rodgers. Dak Prescott ends Tampa Bay. Doesn't end Tom Brady's career. Tom's coming back next year. But he ends Tom Brady's Tampa Bay career. Let's see. Grady Edwards. We'll see what the Cowboys are really made up tonight. They lose this one. I will forever write them off. And I will write them all off right along with you, Grady. I'm totally, I'm totally with you. Grady says, probably going to be wrong, but going 28 to 17 Tampa. Kind of think Dallas will wet the bed. That being said, welcome to have me prove them wrong. And Grady says, I like Dak. Well, I, thank you, Grady. I'm, I'm glad that you like Dak. I'm, I'm talking about people in the media. I've just written this man off as if he hasn't accomplished as much as a lot of quarterbacks in this NFL. Love Justin Herbert. Hasn't won a playoff game. Neither has Jalen Hurts. Just all that out there. Dallas wins 28 to 27. I'll either have my tail between my legs on Thursday's show, or I will be insufferable on Thursday's show. We'll find that out in about four hours. This is going to be as big of a Monday night football game as we've ever had. And with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Thursday. Whew, what an opening that's going to be either way. At 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button and the notification bell. Get notified anytime we go live Monday, Thursday, Friday, 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. Or anytime we upload a new video. Uploaded a couple over the weekend about my AFC and NFC playoff weaknesses as well as any YouTube shorts. We'll try and get some YouTube shorts up pretty soon. And also very important, subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube, which is also where you can listen to my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. It's where you can listen to Patrick. You saw Patrick in the comments, the Chaotic Sports Podcast, Barry Grant Jr., the All Even Podcast, Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. You saw him in the chat a little earlier on in the show. Alfred Parsar Jr., the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast. And guys, that will be very, very excited about tonight. Shout out to my friends over at the Dallas Cowboys. or It's the Cowboys, no Dallas in it. The Cowboys Can Fan Podcast. Shout out to those guys. I'll, I, may, I, may, I may talk to them after the, the show. Uh, gr- real quick, Grady says, when's the ne- he asked, when's the next appearance for Cheesehead Ozzy? It's coming. Probably not during the playoffs, but hey, I mean, who knows? Depending on what Aaron Rodgers' decision is. Cheesehead Ozzy will make his return. Make no mistake about it. He's coming back soon. Have a great week, everybody. See you on Thursday. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please continue to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Man, I'm nervous. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.